Is there a problem? We have a hearse pulling a U-Haul. And um, we know that that's silly, but uh, the question is, uh, do we live like that's a reality? What does your financial situation do for you? What are you living for? Turn over, you can shut that off, Joe. It's too convicting. <laughs> First Timothy 6, 7. We've been studying lies that the world believes and today we're gonna to look at the lie, uh, the lie that uh, material things have great value or lasting value. And First Timothy 6 and verse 7 it says, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. You don't have to be a Christian <laughs> to um, believe that. Every funeral points out to the fact that uh, that we don't take it with us. John uh, D. Rockefeller was, uh, in his time, and, uh, and probably even in today's value of money, he was the richest man in all the world. They said that his value was that of 1% of the United States economy. At some point in his life, <clears throat> he was asked, how much money is enough money? To which he replied, just a little bit more. When he died, people were interested in how much he'd left, and they asked uh, his accountant, how much did John D. leave? And he said he left it all. So we're going to talk about uh, material things and money and, and uh, having the right perspective. If you look over in Luke chapter 12, <coughs> we'll read through here a bit. In Luke chapter 12, and let's start in verse... Uh, 
15. Luke 12, 15, and he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do, I'll pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my faults and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So it is, so it is that so is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. And he said unto the disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, neither for your body, what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add to a statue one cubit, if ye then may be not able to do that thing which is least, why, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow, they toil not, they spin not. Yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory will not, was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothed the grass which is, is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye that which shall eat, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither be ye doubtful mine. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all, his, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Uh, we'll probably emphasize that again, but let me read it again. Fear not, little flock, for it's your father good pleasure to give you the kingdom that we can get all wrapped up in obtaining and maintaining and sustaining things and fearful. But the Lord says, uh, don't be afraid. <laughs> You're going to hit the jackpot. You're going to have the kingdom. Sell it you have and give alms. Mm. That must be just for that time period, right? Provide yourself bags which wax not old. A treasure in heaven that felleth not, where no thief approaches, neither moth corrupt. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so the Lord in this chapter 12 has a great deal to say about finances and our attitude towards them. And he says there in verse 15, take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. 
Very interesting, the context of this, verses 12 on down to where we started reading, uh, the Lord had come to, uh, I think in, uh, in uh, Judea, and uh, he is uh, teaching them. As a, you see there in verse 1 of chapter 12 that there's an innumerable number of people. They're walking on each other. He's telling them, beware of this leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, this religiousness, Pharisaicalism, that uh, religion is how you dress. The religion is what you eat. Religion is how you comb your hair. Religion is a number of rules and regulations. And he said, uh, get, get, get over that. For there's nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. God knows all about you. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which is spoken in the ear of the closet shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. He knows what you said. Get real with God. Quit playing religion. Quit dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Quit thinking you're spiritual because your dress length is a certain length. Because God's looking deeper than what you're wearing. And he says, don't be afraid of those that kill the body, but be afraid that he that can destroy the soul. I forewarn you who you shall fear. Fear him which hath the, which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yeah, I say fear him. And then he talks about how God sees and he knows the sparrows and feeds the sparrows and he knows the very number of hairs on your head and and he's saying that that if you will take a stand and confess me before men. I'll confess you before the angels in heaven. And if you deny me, I'm going to deny you. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him. And so he's very serious, weighty things here that there can be a sin giving the Holy Ghost working, the the, the the, the job of the Holy Spirit of reproving the world of sin rising doesn't become to give that and to, to uh, assign that, to say that that's Satan doing that, is uh, to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And when they bring you into the synagogue and to magistrates and powers, take you no thought of what ye shall answer or what ye shall say, for the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what you ought to say. And so he's saying, be reliant upon the Holy Spirit. So, so these first uh, 11 verses, 12 verses of Luke chapter 12 are uh, magnitudes and, and uh, they're, they're, they're very important. They're, they are weighty, weighty, weighty. And then, after he'd said, after he'd given this series of thoughts, these lessons, and these very weighty matters, 
Verse 13, And one of the companies said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. He didn't say, Lord, explain what it is to blaspheme against the Spirit of God. He didn't ask, you know, why, why, uh, what does it mean to confess you? Uh, but it was a request that he might get his stuff. I want my stuff. It's almost mind-boggling to think that here he had given these great spiritual truths, these, these, these truths that are humongous truths. I'm trying to search for a word. But, and, and as soon as he gets through, this guy comes up and he says, Hey, Jesus, can you speak to my brother and make him give me my stuff? It's an outlandish request. And yet, uh, you and I can come here, be presented truths on Wednesday and Sunday that ought to be life-changing truths, eternal truths, and go away more concerned about our stuff. I preached at uh, Sioux Falls one time, and uh, people were said something about saying amens or something. And uh, Brother Tyingham, he was out there showing off, but uh, I said, uh, you know, I don't think I'm really teaching or preaching until it gets real quiet. How important is your stuff? Well, he wanted to have it. And he says here in verse 15 some very important words. Take heed. That means, uh, that word take heed means to, uh, to observe. It means to look around. It's in the present, which means, present, which means continually. And it's an imperative which is not a suggestion, it's a command. And so he said, look around, observe, you know, take heed. Because, because if anything's going to steal our heart, one of the things that gets us off track, one of the things we've got to watch for is this item, this thing about covetousness. And you know why? Do you, do you understand why? Our, our stuff is such a uh, uh, threat to us because it's a challenge for, it's an affront to our worship of God. Covetousness, we'll go, you can see in, in, in Colossians and Ephesians, it, it talks about covetousness, which is idolatry. Jesus, in the Gospels, calls it the God of mammon, worshiping of stuff. And so he said, somebody, you know, take heed because, because something's trying to pull your devotion away from your God. 
And then he says, beware. Uh, take heed and beware. And that's, this has an idea, this word beware has the idea of uh, um, guarding. It, it, it kind of has like a, a, you know, a sentinel that's guarding the camp. It also is in the present imperative, where it simply means all the time. It's not an option. It's, it's a command from the, from a, the, the uh, head, of, head of state. It's a command from our colonel. Be on guard. Be on guard. Be on guard. Be on guard. When? When you wake up, be on guard. When you, throughout the day, be on guard constantly about covetousness. Colossians says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Ephesians says the same, uh, similar thing. For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater, uh, uh, hath an inheritance in the kingdom of God. And then he talks about, that, then he says that here, that it's covetousness. Beware of covetousness. And covetousness, basically, uh, covetousness is basically the desire for more and desire to have what other people have that you don't have, to have more. And then he makes this statement. He says... <coughs> And to take heed and beware of curses, for a man's life consisteth not in abundance of things which he possesses. There's the, that word life, that's important. There's two, there's two words that are translated life from the, from the, Greek, New, the Greek language, the Greek New Testament. One is bio. And you can see in bio the beginning of biology. It's just a existence. It's a it's it's you you you're you're living. It's a existence. But that's not the word here. The word here is Zoe, and and what it means, it means um, a life worth living. The quality of life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He's not talking about length of life, but that when he talks about everlasting life, it's not the bio, but it's, it's the quality that everlasting life is not only is forever, but it's the quality that it is. And so he's saying that we have this ability to uh, enjoy life, have a quality of life to uh, get all that we can from life. Or we can have a quality of life that's um, a burden to us because we got all this stuff. 
I got to maintain my stuff. And uh, I see the guy down the street got one of those brand new side-by-sides. We got to have our stuff. Or a better horse. Or a better dog. Or a better wife. You see, it's about what I have. And that's very dangerous. Let me illustrate it by telling you a story about a guy named Yusef the Turk. In 1950s and up through the 60s, and even today, uh, wrestling was a big deal. And uh, it was popular, and, uh, and uh, it was just as authentic in 1950 as it is today. And uh, it's not very authentic. But people made money for it. And there's this big, this big guy in Europe. He was from Turkey, named Yusef. He, and he came to America to fight Strangler Lewis for the world championship and $5,000, which was a lot of money in 1950. Yusef won and insisted that the 5,000 be paid in gold, which he stuffed into his championship belt. The money mattered so much that he refused to remove the belt until he had reached home safely. Boarding the first available ship to Europe, he headed home. But halfway across the Atlantic, the ship floundered in a storm and began to sink. And in a panic, Yusef jumped for the lifeboat and missed and went straight to the bottom. The golden belt had become a golden anchor. Has your stuff become an anchor? And the Lord's warning us that there's more to life than what we have. Man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Your life does not depend, your quality of life, your enjoyment of life, your blessings of life, don't consist in your bank account. Now, I want to keep this balanced, so let me just make some qualifiers here. I'm not talking about not being industrious. industrious. I'm not talking about not being energetic. Proverbs says, go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise which having no guide or overseer or ruler provideth her meat in the summer and gareth her food in the harvest. And so the ant works to have a supply for when there's a need. And to, we're not talking about the vow of poverty here. We're not talking about being stupid. We're talking about that, we're talking about whether our, our stuff has us or we have our stuff. And, and so God is for us, laying up. 
We're not talking about not saving and laying up for your children that they might have an inheritance. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, he said, Behold, the third time I'm ready to come to you. I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Proverbs says, A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of sinners is laid for the just. So I'm going to give all my great riches to my grandkids. They don't worry about it because they know I don't have nothing. I'm not talking about giving away everything and not providing for your family because Timothy says the man who provides not for his own, and especially for those in his own household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. But, but what we're talking about here in this lesson, this lie, this lie that the world believes, that I got to have it, that stuff is going to make me happy. But what the Bible says, it says here that stuff does not equal life. What did Jesus say? I come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. And so, let's think about this thing of stuff. Um, If you look in verses 17 through 19, when he gives this parable uh, about the man who was very rich, what, what stands out here is there's six eyes and four mice. It's all focused on him, and he thought within himself, what shall I do because I have no more room to bestow my fruits? And he said, this will I do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods, and I will say to my soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thy eat, eat, drink, and be merry." And remember we saw over there that it says, sell what you have and give alms. That, that we got to understand something that it kind of, uh, we want to shake it off. We don't want that hanging on to us. We want to knock that, that off like rust off of metal. But uh, your stuff may be to benefit other people. Hello? Your stuff might be given to you to help other people. That's what the Bible says. Now, I think there's some things that we need to realize about covetousness. Covetousness not good Baptists. Good Baptists couldn't be covetous, could they?
first thing I want you to realize about covetousness is that it uh, ignores Christ's lordship. Psalms 24 and 1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. <laughs> the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, and the world, and they that dwell therein. First Corinthians tells us that uh, he owns even our bodies. What, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own, for you've been bought with a price. And so, when we talk about it ignores Christ's lordship, what we're saying is this, is that he has made us stewards to watch over, to manage, stewards uh, manage God's property. And so, the bottom line is, it's not yours. It's not yours. And I say, okay, Lord, this old Honda CRV that's got 205,000 miles on it, I'm glad it's yours. And he says, no, I give it to you to manage. You need to put some oil in it at least every 50,000 miles. Or to manage it for him. He's trusted us with it. But it doesn't belong to us. And it's not to own us. The Lord owns us. That it's not to dominate us. That God has given to us to manage it. And so... This idea that I got it by hard work, yeah, the Lord wants us to work hard. I got it by the luck of the weather that rained when it should have rained. I got it by my own wisdom. And he said, you know, Eat, drink, and be merry. That I, you know, this parable that uh, 
that he had got this property. Well, let's just realize that, that we ought to be industrial. We ought to work hard. But let's, let's look at the bottom line is and the fact that you were able to even roll out of bed this morning and come to church. God allowed that to happen. And so when we look at this world, when you look at the ads on on internet or TV, if you watch TV and and signboards, we don't have them here in Alaska, but advertisements and and the the whole promotion is, you know, you need to buy this because you deserve it. It's all about me. It's all about my stuff. When, again, God gives us what we have to benefit others, to minister to others. And so, covetousness ignores the Lordship. It ignores that Jesus Christ is Lord. Secondly, covetousness ignores the priority the priority of um, relationships. over stuff. You don't have to even read between the lines here as the Lord has given some very weighty matters in, in verse 13, and one of his companies said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me and for, for a little bit of credibility for this guy, uh, it was a common thing to go to the rabbis and ask them to help out in these matters. But Jesus says, I don't, have, I don't want anything to do with this. This is, not, this is my, my field of expertise. He could have dealt with it. But, but what he's saying, he says there, he says... Um, and he said unto him, verse 14, Man, who made me judge or a divider over you? You're missing the whole picture. You're missing about what life is about. To live is Christ and to die is gain. You're missing it. But you can see here what kind of <laughs> whether he, maybe his brother was there. Maybe he maybe uh, his, his news got back to his brother. Hey, you know what? He's talking to Bill. Hey, Bill, you know what John said? He went to he went to the rabbi. He went to Jesus, and he said, "Help me out and get my stuff." 
And I'm sure that Bill invited John over for supper that night. I don't think so. And you see that even in the parable, when he talks about the rich man, the rich man it didn't say, he didn't say unto his wife, I'll build bigger barns. He said unto himself, I want to tell you something. People are more valuable than your stuff. I do believe that if you borrow something from someone and it breaks down, you ought to fix it. But I don't think you can say, no, you can't borrow this because it's my stuff. And you have to answer the Spirit of God for that. But I'm just simply saying that covetousness, this covetousness, this idea of my, I want my stuff. It puts divisions in relationships. And in the end, <laughs> in the end, you leave it, and Solomon talks about that. And he says, all this stuff I had, you know, when I die, it's going to be left here, and it's going to go to people who don't even know how to manage it. And so the Lord here, this lie, there's a lie that the, our world embraces, that your quality of life, your life experiences, your life value, your life's purpose is in the obtaining of stuff. It's a lie. It's an absolute lie. You ought to read, the, read a, a few things about Howard Hughes. Uh, he a was a very wealthy man. Uh, he liked to fly. And he, the fact that he died, I think, when he was flying. He, had, he was so crazy, he had fingernails look like eagle's claws, you know, real way out there. And, and uh, he had stuff. But you know what he didn't have? He didn't have life. And so covetousness just puts a priority on uh, riches over relationships. The first commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like. Namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so, uh, our covetousness is really a statement concerning our love for ourselves more than our God 
in our neighbor. When I was, uh, went to Montana to for my mother-in-law's 95th, I think, birthday. I'm not sure if that's right. Uh, maybe 93rd birthday. Uh, we went to a church in uh, Montana, in Florence, Montana. A guy named Will Zeiler uh, was pastor there. There's another guy there. He still remains there. He was, he's a Jew, and uh, he got, at 30 years old, he got saved. He had, I think he said, five businesses. When he was 13, maybe from the influence of his father, his father encouraged him to uh, buy property and uh, uh, sweet liver, uh, sweet, you know what it is, Josh? Sweet Sweet River Valley, anyway, in Montana, he bought he bought acres for seventy five dollars, a hundred dollars an acre, and they sell for one hundred twenty five thousand dollars an acre. He got saved. He was a, he was an outfitter uh, before he was saved. He said he had advertisements in all of the hunting magazines, and he did wasn't hardly one that he didn't have advertisements in for outfitting and in Montana. When he got saved, that was the last time he outfitted on a Sunday. God called him to preach and he got rid of all those businesses. Kept working a little bit, had a lot of, had had money, well well to do because of the businesses that he had. But he gave them up to serve the Lord. And God does not ask of Will Zeiler any more than he asks of you. That your stuff is his. And you're managing it for him. Covetousness also ignores Coming eternity. We ignore it. It just it causes us to ignore it. The fool thinks about life, but he doesn't think about eternity. And he said to this man in the parable, thou fool, you're a fool. Because you didn't plan for eternity. Life does not consist of the things which we possess. The world says that life consists of things. And God says life consists of being rightly related to me. The world views a rich man as successful. He might be featured in business magazines.
wealthy, worked hard for it, financially secure. After all, that's why we go to college, isn't it? So we can be financially secure. Again, let me say to you that God gives us the ability to work. We've already talked about that. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about laying up uh, in store for, to be able to provide for yours and your own. You're worse than an infidel denied the faith if you don't take care of your own. But is our philosophy, John Rockefeller's, how much is enough? Just a little bit more. You see, it's not really a question about how much is enough, but it's a question about, am I managing this for the Lord? Does this have a hold of me, or do I have a hold of it? Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, If any man will come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And so, you know, the idea idea of taking up your cross, you know, is that I, I got this cross I have to bear. I got this burden. You know, I got this disease and I'm going to have to go through life. Bearing my cross. Take up your cross and follow me. Okay, I'm following the Lord, and I'm suffering for Jesus. And I'm taking up my cross. And I want you to know, and I want everybody else to know, that I'm suffering for Jesus. But that's not what that means. The cross is a place of crucifixion, of death. And what he's saying is, we take up our cross... But I got to say no to my flesh. I have to crucify my flesh. I have to eliminate out of my life what keeps me from serving the Lord. This whole idea that I'm suffering for Jesus, (laughs) maybe that should be the 11th lie that we talk about in this series. We need to crucify the flesh, and follow him. Look over in Acts 20, 35. Here's another, here's another verse. I have a black marker here. Maybe you should just cross it off, mark it out of your Bible. Or I could, I got a pretty sharp knife. We could just cut this out. In Acts 20 and 35, I've showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak. Oh, come on, pastor, that's what social security and welfare is for. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I give to the church, I, I tithe, pastor. I give. But Jesus said, uh, you know, I support the weak. And to remember the words of the Lord, how he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. 
Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. And we say, boy, he gave me this, and he gave me that, and he gave me this, and he gave me that. And boy, the Lord has really blessed me. But one of the blessings we don't consider is it's more, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Maybe God just wanted you to be a, a conduit through which blessings go to other people. Okay, next time I'll bring some still-toed shoes. Oh, time's up. You're saved by the bell. I was going to give you a test, five questions to see if you're greedy. But I don't like taking that test, so I won't do it today. You're dismissed.